0: Va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Özil.
1: Marca Mesut Özil. Centro de Özil. Gol de Kieran Gibbs. un extraordinario, espectacular centro de Mesut Özil. This is Ars Cast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Ars Cast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning to you. Good morning, sir. I don't have to ask how you are because we didn't win, so that means nothing bad has happened to you.
0: I'm fine, perfectly fine, yeah. All good with me. Boo! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Um, Yeah, good, good weekend. Well, yeah, football aside, not too bad at all. Went to see James Bond last night. How bad was it on a scale? the
1: The film. On a scale of one to like absolute shit, how bad was it?
0: I mean, it's mental, obviously. I don't know if anyone's sort of like watching it with that in mind, how unrealistic it is. But if you are, if you're someone who's bothered by logic, you will struggle to enjoy this film. Mm. If you just like a man in a suit going around telling everyone who he is, despite supposedly being incognito, then you'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, there's there's so much about it that's mind blowing when you step back from it. Mm. It, his choice of attire, mental at all times, so impractical. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna fight someone on a train, maybe some sort of you know cat suit or
1: something, or or d- dare I say it, some uh, some McNicholas style uh, track bottoms would give you the freedom to I mean, look, to do those kicks. Thank you.
0: I mean, this is this is where I'm coming from. Mm. Um, but anyway, he's he's the worst spy ever. But other than that, it's it's quite a laugh, yeah. What about you? Good weekend?
1: Yeah, Not nothing nothing too uh, hectic or strange or startling, to be perfectly honest. Um didn't do an awful lot, sat around waiting for the Arsenal Tottenham game, hoped for better things from Saturday, you know, from the football that we got, but uh it's it's proving to be quite a tight Premier League this season, is it not?
0: Yeah. Did did you watch the Chelsea game?
1: I did. I did. I well, was, was in the a strange po- one, wasn't it? Yeah. Did
0: you did you find yourself cheering a Stoke goal? What was that like?
1: Yeah, I kind of did, yeah. As did most of the people in the pub. I was in the pub Saturday evening having a couple of pints with my dad and uh, and um yeah, everyone in the in the bar wanted Stoke to win. But there was a sense that oh my well, god, this is kind of also a bit dirty like wanting Stoke to win, but it's very much the enemy of my enemy sort of thing, wasn't it? And the angry man on the sidelines for Chelsea, they were very amusing. John Terry's face at the end, very amusing. And the thing about mm-hmm. it is I, I can switch off immediately afterwards and go, look, I don't, I don't need to watch Ryan Shawcross be happy. I can just be happy that Chelsea are unhappy, you see? So it was another great, another yeah. great weekend for Chelsea. Uh, I'm, I'm, thoroughly enjoying, I'm thoroughly enjoying all of it. Long may it last. This is like a TV show, a TV series that you never want to end. At some point, you're going to feel, oh, well, we're in the final se- season of this, and you know the finale will come, and Chelsea will actually win a game at some point. But for the moment, I just don't want it to end. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Then let, let it carry on, let it drag out for as long as possible, <laughs> like Lost did. Yeah, I never watched Lost. I have to say, I got, I got. Um... I just never got into her, never, got, never started it. And then by the time it ended, I was really glad about that because I believe the ending of it was atrocious and, you know, they had no idea what they were doing. They just made something crazy. Yeah, they, they
0: dragged me along for the, for the ride. Right. Was not necessarily a fun one. No,
1: no, it's but always I've come that far. Yeah you, know you know can, yeah, you can't give up, can you? And then you feel cheated no. and then you realise it's actually just a TV programme. I shouldn't get so angry All along,
0: that was the the reveal at the end. Spoiler alert, guys. (laughs) The last episode, they go, oh, my God. This whole thing was just a TV show. Everyone turned Um, to face
1: the camera. Aha! Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) the director comes out from the camera and yells, cut. And you're like, oh, shit. That's what it was.
1: Oh, no. I should have realized it was on in an episodic fashion every week. Like uh, a TV show. And apparently, show. If,
0: you, if you watch it back, there are clues all the way through that it is a TV show.
1: Yeah, full of actors. Credits and
0: stuff like that. Yeah. Advert breaks. Fuck. I can't believe I, th- I thought it was real.
1: <laughs> so look. There you go. So look. We had a North London derby yesterday, and, and many of us going into the game were hopeful that we could do something to Tottenham like we did to Manchester United. As it turns out, we couldn't do that at all um a very no, jaded not even close not even close a very jaded performance one i think that perhaps was was coming in the sense that this is a squad that is or has been stretched to its limits there's no rotation there's no keeping players fresh and ultimately i think that was apparent in the performance yesterday
0: yeah yeah they they didn't, i mean we got the equaliser in the end, but I, I really didn't feel like it was coming particularly at any point. You we know, did have chances,
1: we were, so We had loads of chances. Giroud had lo, uh, lots of
0: chances. Set to pieces. Score. We looked great on set pieces, didn't we? Yeah, um, and have done for a few weeks it. now. Yeah, yeah, that's been a bit of a consistent trend. But I, I don't know. I, I, we looked very leggy. I think almost from the almost from the first five minutes or so. Mm. Um, we don't really know what was wrong with Santi Cazorla still do we
1: No, his performance
0: uh, kind of typified the team
1: yeah he was he was clearly unwell he was unwell before kickoff I was told that he was physically ill at at halftime something like a a temporary bug perhaps perhaps dare I say it a bit of uh, espionage went on there it's Santi's lasagna Santi's Santi's dinner was spiked by some kind of Tottenham supporting waiter or waitress. Yeah. And he was Revenge. he was yeah, he was he was unwell. And you could see that from from the very start that that he was unwell, but but aside from that, the team itself didn't really impose itself on the game in the early stages because what you were looking for was for Arsenal to come out. And even if we didn't do an awful lot with the ball to at least get on top of the game and boss the possession. But in the very early stages, the first four or five minutes, um, there was an end-to-end sort of quality to the game. But Tottenham had a lot more of the ball, and that was surprising to me. We couldn't really, we couldn't really do to them what they were doing to us in terms of a, in terms of a press
0: no, and some of those Spurs players have played Monday and Thursday, you know, but I think... So you're saying they're on drugs? <laughs> well, look, that's that's for that's for the listeners to decide. Okay. But um, I... Yeah, they are, but I think um, <laughs> what that what that does show probably is that they've benefited a bit more from rotation over the previous few weeks, whereas because of our injury situation, some of these players have just been played into the ground. I mean, is that entirely because of the injury situation, or do you think Arsenal's... Overdone it with one or two of them, you know. So Galak kind of Alexis has he played too many minutes? Yeah, but who, do you think you should have?
1: Who do you play instead?
0: Well, that's the question,
1: isn't it? I, don't, I have no idea. You know, that's the thing. Kieran I mean... Gibbs apparently it turns out he's brilliant <laughs> on the wing. But I mean, that's it. I mean, if it's it's easy in hindsight or now to say, well, Arsene Wenger should have given him more rest. But then, a who do you play? And if, for example, he chose Kieran Gibbs in a game and we didn't win the game. People will be going, "What the fuck are you playing a left back at left wing for you, daft man?" You know, that's that's mm-hmm. there's a sort of a no-win element to it there. But it does it does come back, I think, to the injuries and something we discussed, you know, in the past that that the amount of players that we have out and the players, particularly that we have out, are ones that can make a difference in the attacking third. So you know, it's okay if you want to rest Alexis. For Danny Welbeck, for example, or even Thomas Rosicki, or even um, uh, Jack Wilshire, you know, Theo Walcott. These are guys that you could realistically rest Alexis for. But at the moment, we, mm. we, can't, we can't play Gibbs there from the start just because Alexis needs a rest, really. Uh, nor can we play somebody like Alex Iwobi or, or the Jeff. You know, they're, they're far from ready for first-team action. So I think the impact of the injury situation is playing itself out over the, over the squad. My hope is that when players come back from injury and uh, after the international break, which isn't going to make Alexis any less tired, that we do have the opportunity to rest him in a couple of games where perhaps you might think, OK, we could probably cope without him from from the start. You know, we've got West Brom. I think is it? Um, that's
0: the first game back away. Yeah,
1: yeah. Then there's Dinamo Zagreb at home. Obviously, not taking anything, anything for granted there. You know, uh, and then I think it's Norwich. So, uh, and then Sunderland. So you're looking at a couple of those games where you don't really have to play him into the ground, and hopefully he can he can regain a bit of um, a bit of his uh, not fitness but freshness and and zip and energy that's that's clearly not been there.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, I, I hope so. I mean, he, he he looks... I don't know, it's strange. He had that little burst, didn't he, a few weeks ago, where he sort mm. of sprung into life and scored plenty of goals in quick succession, but he's hes fallen away a little bit again mm. since then. Yeah. Um, bit of a concern.
1: Yeah. I, 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 do you know what? I, go I, on. Go on. No, 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 you go.
0: Oh, what I was going to say was that I saw... I, I was watching the game last night, and it did strike me that it seems that he... Well, he well, does look fatigued. It, he performs slightly worse, I think, alongside Olivier Giroud than he does with Theo Walcott. I just feel like it suits him slightly less, which is somewhat mm. surprising. And then I saw Tim Stillman on Twitter said that I think in the last four games Alexis and Giroud have played together, Alexis hasn't managed a shot on target. Now, obviously, that that could be pure coincidence, that statistic. But I do wonder if there's something about this space that Walcott generates with his movement and the fact that he pulls outside and Alexis drifts in field, that maybe makes him a little bit more dangerous and brings slightly more out of him.
1: Yeah, perhaps, because I think Giroud tends to stay fairly central. Uh, There were times yesterday when he cropped up on the the right-hand side a couple of times, but for the most part, he tends to stay central as a focal point for the attack. So, yeah, I mean, it could well be a case that Walcott, with his crazy not quite sure what he's doing movement, but bringing defenders mm. with him, um, you know, does does allow Alexis to, to come into that um, central area where he does score um, a lot of goals, you know, from inside the box and outside the box. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. it would be a little bit of a worry if there is a, a huge incompatibility between them. But at the same time, you know, Giroud yesterday was a guy who could have had two or three goals. So uh, I don't know. Whether his effectiveness you, uh, comes I, at the expense of, of Alexis, I'm not quite sure.
0: What do you put his misses down to? Just sort of uh, misfortune or, you know, was that one of those sort of Monaco nights where his confidence went? Or
1: I don't think it was like the Monaco one in, in that his confidence didn't go. If you look at one header, just I mean, it was literally um, millimetres past the post. That was the one that he yeah. really should have scored. That was the one that should have gone in. And you you're you're talking a margin of inches. He, he should score from there, but it was it was inches wide. I think he was trying to plant it right in the bottom corner to give the keeper no chance. Just overcooked it a little bit. Was the same with the header from the one that hit the bar. I wondered was his um was his shirt pulled? I thought his shirt was being pulled it as he went to, me, to, to it get like, it like it that. Yeah, which is normal in the area and I think as a striker you have to cope with that. But again, you're talking what Two inches, three inches between a goal and and hitting the top of the crossbar, so um, he was a little off. But yeah, look, seven goals in his seven games before that, he's been he's been in excellent form. I think, I did we speak about it before? Maybe that. Um, he tends to be at his most effective when he's, when he's fresh. And when he has to play mm. a series of games, when he has to play week in, week out, when he has to be that focal point in the attack, when he's up against two big central defenders, um, and he did, have his, uh, he did have his moments with uh, Vertonghen yesterday. Do you see that? Vertonghen, yeah. Vertonghen grabbing his mickey. I yeah. mean, what's going <laughs> on there? Strange. Come on. Look. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's a handsome man. I can understand it to an extent. Sure. I mean, what? perhaps he was just sort of feeling out um, to uh, to uh, mask his own insecurities there. Maybe he's thinking, this Maybe. guru is so handsome, he's bound to have a really small winkle. And then he got a yeah. hold of it and went, oh, God, it's actually quite much bigger than I thought. And anyone who has seen anyone who's seen that gif, you know the one in the dressing room. Have you seen that one? Of course I have. Yes. Of course I have. <laughs> helly, helly. Helicopter. Um, so I, I'd say Vertonghen retreated into a shell then, after getting a hold of uh, of Giroud's private parts. But anyway, what were we talking about? I think we've gone off track. <laughs> I here. don't
0: know. It's hard to go back to it, wherever it was. It is. But um... look,
1: no. Oh yes, I'm just saying that that um, he's usually at his most effective when he's fresh. And maybe there was just a touch of tiredness, a touch of uh, touch of fatigue to his game yesterday, and that uh, that manifested itself in the, in the finishing that wasn't quite right, you know. So I think this is the benefit of having Walcott fit, is that it allows you a to rotate your 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 forwards to keep them both fresh, and, and that then gets gets the best out of them, you know. Mm. So I and think what, there was an an el- an element of that yesterday. So how much,
0: to what extent was this down to Arsenal? playing poorly and to what extent and I I hesitate to say it was it down to Spurs playing well?
1: Well they did play quite well but obviously uh, as Arsene Wenger said when you're playing in a first half against Tottenham with with uh, Santi Cazorla who was at 30% of his potential and I think 30% was um, was being generous you know that that really Mm. has an impact essentially you're playing with 10 men and right in the heart of midfield I think is where Tottenham had a lot of joy you know they were strong in there they were quick they were dynamic they they passed it around well they kind of bossed us in that central area and we, we weren't able to cope with that and I think that obviously had an impact on the way that the the flow of the game went uh, they did play well you know um, we played badly they played well I don't know what way you'd, you'd sum it up uh, each way whether it was more of one than the other but that's uh, it comes right down to it I mean they, they played well and still didn't beat us cunts um yeah. and look I think as well that there's a there's an element of an element of after the game people say well they were ever so good they did this, that and the other, and then you look at the stats and you think, well, actually actually it's not that great. You know. They were all talking about um uh what's his name? Deli Alley. Delhi Alli, yeah. That's a silly name. But anyway, uh, he got man of the match. He got man of the right. match. And uh, a guy okay. on Twitter uh at Jack Lou eighty nine, uh, broke down the stats. So uh, assists Macedo's Ozil, one, Ali none. Chances created Ozil seven, Ali none. Tackles one, Ozil two, Ali one. Pass accuracy Ozil eighty one percent, Ali sixty seven percent. So I think that you know very often the, the 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 way people perceive a game is what the what the broadcasters have told you has happened, whether or not that's actually true or not. You know, so they did play well. We didn't play that well, but at the same time, fucked them. That's my considered yeah. uh, analysis of that. And we dug the goal out. What is that? Six consecutive Premier League games with assists for Özil now. It certainly is. It's a new record. It's a new record. And I saw people. I think Jamie Carragher in particular on Twitter was saying, "Well, yeah, you know, the the chances created stat is like, yeah, but those are set pieces. Well, hang on. It's mm. not as if like you just fucking push a button." You, see, you still have to deliver the ball well. There's a skill to it, you know. So. I mean, you can
0: just press triangle, I think, isn't it? It's like L1 and triangle or something like that. That's, that's through, ball. through ball, isn't that's it? That's through ball. You yeah, don't yeah. do
1: through ball from a corner.
0: Oh, I see. Right, yeah, no. There's That's different. Is that circle. Yeah. I, I get confused.
1: <laughs> it's circle, I think, yeah. Yeah. Depends right. on what but way you anyway, have the buttons,
0: I'd, you know. It depends. You can configure it different ways, can't you? Mm. But he... Um, yeah, I mean, look, he, he wasn't hugely involved in the game as well, but it was a brilliant pass, I thought, for the goal. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the way Laurie sort of like, uh, he, sort of sp- he sort of spread himself too much, and that sounds wrong, but he sort of threw his body in the air, like he expected Gibbs to make really good contact on the ball. Yeah. Very naive. A man who's never seen Kieran Gibbs have a shot.
1: <laughs> Hang on now. In fairness, I think Gibbs scored a cracking goal against, was it against Swansea? Flying volley kind of a thing? Am I wrong there? Oh, yeah, I've got a vague recollection of that. That was a great goal, I think. Uh, And perhaps if he had made good contact with it, it wouldn't have been a goal.
0: Very true. It was an artful little little sort of scuff. And it was, look, there's no complaints from me. Mm. I quite like goals that sort of, you know, occasionally it's quite fun to score a goal that sort of isn't doesn't really hit the back of the net and is a bit sort of scrappy because you get to see all the Spurs defenders like appeal like desperately forlornly hoping that it's going to be overturned yeah no,
1: yeah no I I like that moment um, in the replays where you're kind of looking at it going, oh, he's missed it. Oh, it's gone in. And you can see Gibbs' face, and he's looking at it, and he's going, oh, fuck, I haven't really hit that well. And then he's like, what? yes! And it's gone yeah. in. I really, I really enjoy that. Flamini's reaction to it was fantastic as well.
0: Yeah, Flamini, uh, there's, yeah, there's, a, there's a great, great photo yeah. of, uh, from inside the goal of Flamini. Seeing and of course, Flamini's. he's there, isn't he? Three yards out, the poacher, yeah. looking for another goal against Spurs.
1: Gerd Muller himself. I think I
0: saw a stat today that Matthew Flamini is unbeaten in games at the Emirates Stadium. Well,
1: I think I think uh, that tells you everything you need to know about our team selection for the rest of the season. Yeah, you yeah, know? there
0: you go. Just, mm. you, we've got to play him every game.
1: What about Mesut Ozil uh, though? Let's let's ch- chat a little bit about him because very often when Arsenal have played well, Ozil plays well. But if Arsenal have struggled, Ozil has also had problems imposing himself on the game. And yesterday was a day when we didn't play well, generally. Last 15 minutes, I thought, you know, obviously with the goal, we were buoyed and the momentum changed and was with us. But what about Ozil contributing and making that impact despite the fact that the team didn't play well? I mean, that's what you want, isn't it, for a guy of his caliber to step up and get you something from a game like this?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, and that's a big change, I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but I think that's an area where he really struggled. His performances were kind of symptomatic of Arsenal's general performances. But as you say, nothing really clicked yesterday. And yet he was, a, a you know, even even at times where, he, you know, like Jimmy Carrier says, he didn't seem to be in the game that much. He was still delivering chances for other players, you know, his set piece delivery was very good. His movement was dangerous. He was inventive. He had ideas. He was involved in everything that was good that we did do, limited though that was. And crucially, contribution uh, with the assist. I mean, you know, it's. I saw someone yesterday on Twitter saying, another pundit saying, oh, no one cared about assists until the early 90s when fantasy football came in. And I'm like, well, maybe not, but they were naive and stupid not to. I mean, he's literally laying on goals for other people now. Yeah, but no, you know, nobody, Gibbs.
1: nobody cared about seatbelts until they fucking figured out that they're good for you, you know? Exactly, exactly, you know.
0: It's like when they were telling you everyone's smoke in the 60s, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just because something was a certain way in the past doesn't necessarily make that right. And all, I mean, he's so important to this team at the moment. And I think I can't see a, a, a better player in the Premier League on form, I have to be honest, looking looking up and down the division. I mean, Jamie Vardy maybe, but in terms of the sort of sheer individual contribution that he's making, mm. it's, all, it's almost unparalleled. So I think we're very lucky to have him.
1: Yeah, yeah. The creativity is something uh, that you re- obviously really need in any team, but the fact that he's doing it and he's doing it on a really consistent basis, um, you know, that was that was a... A charge that was leveled at him, that he wasn 't consistent enough that he didn 't do it in big games that he didn 't do it uh, he wasn 't there like a force of nature, people want a forty two and a half million pound player almost to be like a Ronaldo like a messi, a guy who can who can get you something when 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 everything else isn 't quite happening, and maybe we 're starting to see signs of that
0: yeah, I think you know while some of those charges were unfair, some were justified, and I think he has answered a lot of them. With his form this season,
1: mm. what about the goal we conceded? Um, Lauren Koscielny, bad decision from him, or
0: yeah, frustrating, wasn't it? I mean, not not, I mean, a very different scenario, but not the similar miscommunication to the one in midweek with Robert Lewandowski, was it? You know, one one stayed, one went, kind of thing, um, and we got it wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's it's frustrating because it was a very simple goal to concede, wasn't it? Just a long ball, yeah, sort of in behind, you, you know. You, should be better than that, really. But yeah, when um, you're
1: when you're making Danny Rose look like um, you know someone who can actually play football, there's something gone Racy wrong. Or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, something's gone wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, who do you apportion blame to Out of that one, is it is it Koscielny for? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think it, he is, should is have one stepped more up. fault than the other.
1: Yeah, I don't think he should have stepped yeah. up. To be honest, he should have just stayed with the man. Um, but you know, yeah. I think that's that's where the, the the main issue was for me. I thought Kane got a bit lucky with the finish as well. There's no way he meant to bubble that into the ground and over Czech's leg. I mean, it just skimmed the top of Petr Czech's leg. Uh, I think he miskicked it and got lucky. Do you think Czech sort of went the the wrong way slightly?
0: I thought no. it was a bit odd that he sort of fell to his near post because I don't know. It seemed obvious to me Kane was going to open his body out in that way. But mm. I guess he was looking to blame.
1: Yeah, I think he was Go looking on. at it. I think he was looking at and him maybe just tucking it in at the near post and then using his legs to, to make the save if he went the other way. And yeah, bar the, the little bobble, I think he might have saved it, to be honest.
0: I mean, he did make some important saves, actually. And... I'll be honest like when they're happening those saves in the second half I'm sort of not really paying that much attention to them because at that point we're just losing and it's like well we just need to get back on the attack they are kind of just a sort of perfunctory thing but in the cold light of day after full time when you've got the point you realise that without those saves you know you're out the game yeah and uh, I feel like we're saying this every week at the moment but you know they are they are point winning contributions
1: Well, as I I pointed out on the blog this morning, uh, our friend Orbinio uh, tweeted yesterday uh, a stat that Arsenal have conceded... Hang on, where is this loading here? They've allowed 50 shots on target this season, which is more than Bournemouth at 48 and Watford at 46. So that's a lot of shots. I'm not saying Czech has made all the saves and and maybe, maybe there's a little more to it than that, but I think it's evidence that he is an important part of this uh, defensive record that we have, because we've only conceded nine goals. I think United are are, are leading the way with eight, but we've only conceded nine times. And, you know, still you have to convince people that this is a team that can defend or that has a a good defensive record. You know, people will go, what? You know, there's this perception of Arsenal's defense being a bit weak or porous, and maybe that's evident uh, by the amount of shots that we're allowing on target. Um, But I think it speaks to the contribution that Czech is making.
0: Mm, absolutely, mm. absolutely. It's a it's a massive, it's a massive difference, and I think Arsene recognises that too. If you see the way he talked about Jack uh, in the build up to this game.
1: Mm. Anything else um, um, tickle your fancy well, from the weekend or the game? Or
0: I suppose just I wondered what your sort of feeling was at full time. You know, were you disappointed to have dropped two points, especially with Manchester City? dropping points at Aston Villa or were we primarily just relieved to have got away with something after what was quite a a poor performance?
1: The second thing, really, to be honest, you know, um, overall, you can look at it and say, well, disappointing because it would have been a chance to go two points clear at the top of the table. And it's always disappointing when we don't play as well as we can. But I think under the circumstances, the way that they played, chances that they had, Um, the difficulties that we had to to get into the game and to try and spark ourselves into life, the tiredness, the fatigue that's evident in a lot of players and the fact that when you bring on a left back for an attacker in search of a goal, when he's the guy that gets you the goal, I think you've got to be reasonably pleased uh, with taking a point. What about you? Yeah, completely
0: the same. I mean, you know, even when we were sort of chasing the win in the last few minutes, I had one eye on the other end of the pitch going, oh, I'd rather we just sort of played this played this <laughs> out now, you know, and took the point because I think given the paucity of quality in our performance, I thought it, a point was more maybe than we deserved. And, you know, obviously losing to Spurs is unpalatable. It means we keep pace with Manchester City. And as we've just talked about, we have actually got some opposition coming up who should be a little bit easier to face in the Premier League. So yeah. I think given how, how exhausted our resources were at that point, I was, I was very happy indeed to take,
1: take that point. Mm. There's always this thing, when we scored and we got the goal, it was like 1-1, I'm immediately hit with this nervousness I don't know why, because you want yeah. to score, and there's this nervousness that oh god, well one-one now. We if we lose it from here, you know, even though you're already losing. But I have to say, after the game settled down again in a couple of minutes, I never felt like we were gonna we were gonna concede again. So from that point of view, it, it felt relatively relatively comfortable in in the final stages. So um, I think that's maybe a, a tribute to the guys and the way they dug in, and, and and ultimately when the goal went in and when we got that goal. I think Tottenham immediately felt tired. You know, they put a lot of work in. I think they felt the three games or in six days in those final 15 minutes.
0: I think so too. I think so too. But, uh, you know, um, I don't necessarily think it was a particularly fair result, but let's call it one. And uh, <laughs> let's, be, let's be mightily relieved to, to get it.
1: All right. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with some of your questions in part two right after this. Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is part two of the show, where we answer the questions that you send to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog and at Arseblog. James, fire ahead. Fire ahead.
0: Okay, I will fire ahead. Okay, i have line it up and... and Fire it straight at you, mm. be careful, yes, so I think this I think this is sort of a variation of this is probably the most common question we've had this week, but this this particular iteration of it comes from Ian Sandwell at Ian underscore Sandwell, and he asks k- 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 all the ks there, very good, given that he started as a winger, is Gibbs a viable option from the start if injuries don't improve
1: well, yeah, if injuries don't improve, of course, because uh. We we won't have much choice. Um, we have all the injuries. Yeah, under normal circumstances, you would say no. You know, we go back to what we talked about with having uh, Alexis uh, fit and and fully on on his game. Danny Welbeck as an option. Aaron Ramsey maybe not from the left hand side, but Oxley Chamberlain. Um, yeah, Theo Walcott even from the left. Um, he, he's played a little bit there. So under normal circumstances, no. Under this sort of circumstances, where we don't really have any choice, of course, um, I, I would see him as a better option, for example, than uh, than Alex Uwobi. And this uh, this question, just to tie in with that, he says hello, which is very very polite hello. of him. Hello, he's in Kenya, so hello. hello, hi. Is
0: there more or is that it?
1: Or- no, he does say hello. He says hello, Andrew. He doesn't say hello, James. I, I presume There's it's lot, just because I think it was just a character limit. Could have sure, said, sure,
0: sure, yeah.
1: could have James is less characters. Use that in future. <laughs> but he says, is it time we play Iwobi on the wing? Because I don't see Campbell doing much to convince. Um, but, I, you know, I think on that, it's a big risk to play someone like uh, Iwobi. Whereas if you do have Gibbs, at least he's got the experience. He's 26, 27 years of age now. Ideally, he's not going to play left wing for long, but he can do it in, in, a, in a short period of time.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, basically, I don't think it's a, an option. I don't think it'll have to be an option. Well, I mean, after the international break, we should... I'm touching all available mm. wooden objects. We should have Oxlade-Chamberlain and Ramsey back available, which mm. should enable us to, you know, put them into those attacking wide positions and, and rotate a little bit even so. So I don't think we'll need it, but I guess... I guess it's good to know that it's there as an option and Gibbs did pretty well yesterday. I was I was very well I wasn't optimistic, let's say, when he came on about his ability to add to our attacking threat. But I think, you know, obviously he scored the goal and his energy did provide something. So
1: mm. I, I thought he th- was I really good when it, he came on. Of I thought he yeah. was really good, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. I mean, fair play to him. Because I I've never necessarily I've never necessarily seen it as an offensive option you know he, he comes on in that position but it's usually just to help see out a win right you know yeah. just pr- protect Monreal a bit more um, but I suppose he's got pace uh, he's got pace and he has played that position in the past so I guess it is viable but I wouldn't be I wouldn't say he's one of the players who allows you to
1: rest Alexis let's put it like that correct yeah yeah I think that's fair enough alright here's um, a question from um, Oh, did you have something more to say there or well,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm going to go sort of two for two only because you touched on it. OK. Um, and John, who's at Orme88, asked, has Joel Campbell done enough in these past three games to convince you he has a future at the club?
1: Um, I think what he's done is shown that he can be a useful squad player when we're in mm. the kind of position that we're in at the moment. Um, I think one of the players actually might have been Gibbs himself, actually, who said, look, when it comes to the performance level of people like Debushi and Campbell, uh, who haven't really played all season and then have played essentially three games in a row, they've gone to Swansea, they've gone to Bayern, they've played then a North London derby. Perhaps there's a bit of a there's a bit of a natural tail off there in terms of in terms of their energy and their performance level. Um, You know, I don't think he's ever going to be a first-team regular at Arsenal, but given the amount of injuries that we have, he's not a, hes not a bad guy to have around on the bench because where would we be without him yesterday? You know, who do you play on the right-hand side? You're forced literally into playing somebody like you might have had to play Arteta, um... Arteta in midfield and push Cazorla out, which would have been a disaster anyway then because Cazorla was, was so unwell. So it's it's yeah. just trying to find out, um, you know, how exactly he fits in. So, you know, people talk about having depth of squad or having no depth of squad, but, you know, he's he's the deepest part of our squad and over the last few games has proved has proved reasonably useful, I think. You?
0: Yeah, would you still have him behind Alex uh, sort of Slade-Chamberlain in the pecking order?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the manager certainly does, Um, but I think there's also perhaps something for Oxley Chamberlain to take from the performances of Campbell, since he's been given a go in the team. You know, maybe he hasn't been hugely effective in all the games. He was very good against Swansea, I thought. He tried hard against Barn. He tried hard again yesterday. No. Um, but there's something that he, that Oxley Chamberlain can take from that—that that he wasn't ever found wanting in terms of his effort or his defensive, um, his defensive diligence or or what he was supposed to do there. Um, maybe like Oxley Chamberlain, he was a little bit, little bit wasteful on the ball at times. Um, but you know, I would still see the Ox as as preferable to to him at this moment. What do you think? I would agree. I would concur with you on, on on that.
0: But I think it's... I actually think the gap is less wide than I might have imagined between the two. That's all. Just right now. But I think Ox has the greater potential, certainly. Mm. OK. Um, but, yeah, Campbell's done OK, but not enough to make me feel like he's a starter or anything like that. But yeah. he's shown that he could be a useful squad member. And given the amount of injuries we're almost guaranteed to acquire, it's probably worth keeping him around. Yeah. Sure.
1: Sure. Okay, okay, here's one. Uh, This one comes from James Reeve, at Reeve underscore James, and he says, is it almost impossible to play against a perfectly executed, high-pressing game? Spuds and Poole have done this to us recently. Is it almost impossible? I don't know.
0: I actually think that in Santi Cazorla, in most circumstances, we have a player who is more capable than most of counteracting that kind of game because he's got you know that perfect passing ability the quick feet from deep midfield that allows him to escape those very tight pressing scenarios I think the big problem we had yesterday was that he just couldn't couldn't do it you know we, we talked about him being ill but he it, it really really interrupted the flow of our game and it allowed Spurs to capitalise on that and then when you replace it with somebody like Flamini at half time obviously the technical level is not quite the same so you can't escape from those scenarios in the same manner. So I actually think that it's not impossible, but you need a very specific skill set of player in order to do it. And we were robbed of mm. the guy who most likely to do it for us uh, on the day yesterday. What, what do you think?
1: I think that the best way to counter a high-pressing system is with, 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 um, with good passing, safe passing and movement. And I think that Mm -hmm. ties into, A, what you're saying about Cazorla, and B, a team that's slightly tired. There was one point I remember in the second half, I think it was relatively early in the second half, and Monreal had the ball around the halfway line, and you could see him look forward looking for a pass looking for some movement looking for somebody to to come to him and look for the ball and he didn't find it and he had to go backwards and that then allows uh, the opposition to kind of press the centre halves and the ball will go back to the goalkeeper and he pumps it long and then you're sort of in the 50-50 situation again Um, so I think a lot of of being able to counter that system is uh, fresh legs and movement and assurance on the ball and we didn't have that in the centre of the park I thought Coquelin was was good uh, yeah, because too. he did have he did have a lot to do and w- one of the things that perhaps is overlooked in his game people look at him and say right he can tackle he he had some snarl he had some bite you know but he is very good on the ball I think he's much better on the ball than people give him credit for um, the mm. other week against Swansea I think it was against Swansea he had a hundred percent passing record and he had the kind of game where you didn't really notice him too much. You know, it wasn't that he was blunderbussing his way around midfield and, and, and snapping into tackles. He did a really quiet, effective job. And when we had the ball, he moved it and just gave it to Kazorla, gave it to whoever else, and he completed 100% of his passes. And it wasn't like he only made eight passes. It was like 45 or 48 passes, something like that. So, um, But I think you need Kazorla and Cochalan to, to work in tandem um, to have a real chance of countering that countering that press we obviously didn't have that yesterday That that's what made it more difficult
0: Yeah, there was one great passage of play where Co- uh, Cocklam, I think he was sort of out on the left wing and he I think he got the ball back and then he dribbled between or around about two or three Spurs players just showed really impressive close control and I do think that because he's probably not because he's so different to a lot of the other players in the Arsenal midfield mm-hmm. I do think that that skill level gets overlooked but uh yeah, he's clearly clearly gifted as well as uh yeah. gnarled, as you say.
1: All right. Got another one?
0: Um Yeah. This is interesting. We talked about the absence of Theo Walcott and how that might have affected the team, but uh At Guna underscore Rafa asks how important is Aaron Ramsey
1: to the balance of this team. I think I think very important. Um We missed him yesterday, you would say. I thought so, yeah. I not not so. just from the right hand side either. This actually, I've got a question here as well. This comes from. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, okay, this comes from Mareeb Jerry at Mareeb underscore Jerry, and he wants to know is it time to retry the Ramsey Cockolan midfield pivot? Um, obviously, Cazorla had his, his problems yesterday, and, and I think they were more down to illness than unsuitability to that role. But, you know, if you do have Aaron Ramsey in your squad, then you've got somebody who can slot into that position uh, much more readily than, than somebody else. Um, so, yeah, I think, he's, I think he's a big miss, to be honest. Um, the right-hand side is not his favorite position. You can see why, but he's still really effective there. You know he does give yeah. us he does give us a lot. His movement is great. Uh, he's an attacking threat. Um, yeah, I, I think as much as anyone, we really miss him.
0: I think defensively as well. Like there's an extent to which he kind of does that Ray Parlour job, almost of sort of tucking in from the right hand side and supporting Cocalan and Kozula, which mm. obviously someone like Joel Campbell isn't going to do. But at times when Ramsey plays, it feels like we move to a sort of a four three three where the three is actually. Cockland Casola and Ramsey and Ozil is freed up to play further ahead and join up with Alexis in the striker. Mm. Um it's not it's not a sort of symmetrical system but Ramsey's tendency to be dragged in field and float inside actually kind of I think benefits Casola he's kind of an extra minder for him in there. Yeah. Um so I think we really missed him uh against Tottenham and have done in the last few games and increasingly I do feel like you know as much as it's not his ideal position on on the right hand side it it does add uh, an important element of balance to the team and it's a, a really really crucial role so looking forward to having him back really obviously
1: mm. yeah yeah uh, yeah
0: what have we got have you got a question now
1: uh yeah i could do i guess even though i sort of worked another one in there but hey Oh yeah, okay. yeah. You you We've know, we yeah.
0: we done a lot of that today.
1: We the, have the questions are just flowing seamlessly one <laughs> to the other. <laughs> All right, this is uh, from Stephen Dowling at Stephen Dowling ninety five. If you, if you could rest three players from the next set of internationals, who would it be?
0: Alexis, straight away. Yeah, that would be the the obvious one for me. Hmm. Um. Oh, I don't know. After that, I don't know. Let me have a think. Um, is anyone springing to, to your mind? I mean, I'd probably... Koscielny? Yeah, maybe. Kazorla. I, I mean, Kazorla. I, I'd be tempted by after seeing what I saw yesterday. You know, I mean, the thing is, I thought of Bayern Munich. He didn't look right either. Um, so Kazorla would be in there for me. I mean, I'm tempted by Ozil just because you want to protect him, right? He because is he's being rested. He is being he rested. He is being
1: rested. yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, Yogi Love has said, news. hey, hey, mess it, mate. Just fucking chill out. You don't have to come. I know what you can do. Go hang out with your mates. Go crazy. Go to nightclubs. Is that Yogi Love who's decided that? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's into it. He's saying, Thanks, do, Yogi. Do, do what you want. Do what you want, man, because you need the rest. Those legs are special. Just, you know, get them rubbed by whoever you want to get them rubbed by. It'll be fine.
0: Matthew Flamini, presumably <laughs> This is brilliant news I didn't know
1: this at all It's fantastic I'm elated Yeah, I'm glad to have made your day You do sound significantly happier Than when we started this podcast I mean, genuinely It's a
0: real upturn in proceedings Well, look Okay, so that's him crossed off So Alexis Alexis koscielny Kazola, I think they would be my three Because they're yeah. You know, to Cech He doesn't need arrest, does he? Whatever anyone says Goalkeepers are okay um, fortunately, France don't seem to have realised that Francis Cocklands any good yet. Long may that continue. Yeah, Monreal not back um, in
1: the Spanish squad either, which is good.
0: Bellerin I think, still not is. Is he's, he's injured? Twenty ones, maybe.
1: No, he's injured. He's injured, so he's of down, course. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, My attacker's retired.
1: I would rest Giroud. I have to say, going back to the point that we made about freshness and everything else, I, I would be tempted to to rest him um, because he's he's obviously going to play for France because I think Benzema is injured and obviously very busy blackmailing uh, other people and stuff like that. Apparently, so sure, 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 sure. So I, I would be uh, tempted to to give uh, Giroud a rest simply because A so he's our you? only fit striker you know who would you not rest who i had on my list then who would i not rest shawney th- maybe Kishalny.
0: i think shawney cazorla alexis uh
1: i would be tempted not to rest cazorla simply because spain have a lot of good players so there's a chance that cazorla might not play sure. anyway so yeah, maybe, maybe maybe he could just go away and get you know those nice um those nice uh, things that he likes to eat, the Spanish mm. ham and the, the, the pork thing that he likes. He, he could do that. He does. He likes this particular pork dish. I can't remember the name of it. It's delicious, though. It's like, it's like a flattened out pork fillet with, uh, with, uh, with, with ham and cheese and breadcrumbs, and you fry it. It's fucking delicious. I can't remember the name it of it. It sounds that. really good for you. It does. It's really tasty. Yeah. Mm. so that would be that yeah right. so I would swap Cazorla out for Giroud but the other two I'd i I'd wait uh, I'd, I'd rest them because Gabriel is going away yeah. with uh, Brazil he got called up to the Brazil squad
0: very nice yeah. very nice for mm. Osama isn't it mm. um, well you might be right on that one Drew, because we're not expecting Wolcott back are we after the international break he's no. a little bit behind
1: yeah those are, his calf injury apparently is a bit more serious than first reported and he's not going to be back until December hmm upsetting yeah well um yeah okay
0: right one Here's more. a big question okay okay one Look. more you this is the last one okay this well no I'm well, just saying
1: one more one more one more who knows where it might go okay. we could do a, a three hour podcast today who knows
0: who knows keep listening guys James Black at Rex Thunder asks if ants <laughs> were the size of cats right yeah Would humans still rule the world?
1: Well, it would... Fuck. That would be quite terrifying. It's a good
0: question, isn't it? Because he's not saying if they're the size of a car, you know, which I think we'd be like, well, no, they'll take over. But if they're the size of cats, it's kind of a sort of somewhere in between, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but you know what makes ants really effective? Is the fact that you, you don't see them for the most part. So you don't notice ants unless you've got some ants in your living room or what have you. Um, and then you go, oh, look, there's a line of ants, where are they going? And then you kind of follow the line of ants and you can figure out how to, to fix the problem. But ultimately, ants exist out in, the, out in the world, out in nature, and they're teeny tiny. Despite their incredible strength uh, and everything else, they exist in anthills and they go underground and they, you know, they, they have their colonies and, and everything else. So that, I think, works to their advantage because nobody gives a fuck about ants because they just say, well, ants are cool. They're you know Let them do their ant stuff. However, if ants were the size of cats, they would be far more noticeable. They'd be carrying off children on their backs, because we know that ants can carry like a 5,000 5,
0: times. times their body weight. Yeah, apparently. exactly.
1: So if you've got a, if and you've got a cat a,
0: weighs about four kilograms.
1: Yeah. So you're talking about an ant being able to lift tons. They could be going off at cars and uh, and all kind of, motor boats just going along. You know, people's, elephants, people's <laughs> yeah, people's possessions would be gone. So I think then there would, there would be a fight back. That would be the thing. It would be like that movie, Starship Troopers. Remember? Yeah.
0: Those, as far as I recall, that's basically what that film's about.
1: Yeah. Gigantic sort of space ants. But I think they were more like, they had um, claws and stuff. But anyway, yeah. I think if ants were that size, there would be a concerted effort to wipe out ants. Well, and Would ant spray still work? I don't know. You'd probably just need loads of it, though rather than one small tin. Well, you know, tin. crop dusting it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, whatever about the size of ants and their ability to carry uh, things and elephants around, they wouldn't be able to withstand machine guns and flamethrowers. It's the number, though, that would be the problem because there are literally millions and billions and billions and billions of ants. So if all of a sudden all the ants in the world became cat sized i think we'd have big problems because the earth would be churned up i think buildings would collapse all kinds of i mean imagine there's an ant hill in your garden with mi- millions of ants thousands of ants and they're tiny you don't care but the minute they become cat sized you know your garden would just be full of gigantic ants so i think there could be yeah. there could be an effect on human society i think many humans would die if if the ants were um, then decided that they wanted to eat humans, uh, hmm. which we don't know. I mean, they might just be into eating leaves and shit like that, like they normally do, and grubs and what have you. But who, This is
0: know. the thing, we don't really know. They've, they're so secretive, usually, ants.
1: Yeah, yeah. They don't have an agenda, you know, um, posted online or anything. That's, that's the but
0: The thing. thing is, for so long, humans and ants have lived together in peace. It would be a shame for that all to come crashing down.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would be good if we could perhaps align with the ants to take out mm. a, common, a common enemy, like Chelsea yeah. or wasps.
0: <laughs>
1: wasps, I think, would be good. Wasps are absolute cons. They really are the worst. Wasps and dolphins. <laughs> dolphins, no, I'm telling you, you're wrong about dolphins. Oh, no, fuck off. Dolphins are the worst. Why? They're so happy. Look at their little happy faces. They, don't, they only want you to think that they're happy. They're planning shit, man. <laughs> Dolphins are up to something. They're really up to something. I'm convinced of it. You know, I don't trust yeah, them they, one bit. You can't trust them. Too clever. Yeah, too clever by half. So I wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't well. trust a dolphin at all, you know, regardless. I mean, if a dolphin came to me with a business opportunity, I would think twice before investing any of my own money. It would probably be like a timeshare or, or one of those pyramid schemes, you know. What about a massive ant if it approached you with a
0: business opportunity?
1: Well, it would depend on what it was. You know, I'm, I'm a very conscientious uh, person, so I'd want it to be something that was good for society as a whole. So if he came to me and said, look, this is a way that we could we could make um, starving children not starving, and not like that guy who got that drug that cures AIDS and put it up by a billion mm-hmm. pounds, you know, whatever that No. So maybe maybe if he was not that guy, I would be happy to discuss it with an ant, but not with a dolphin or a wasp or Chelsea.
0: If you're wondering at home, this is the three-hour podcast, and it is now quite a lot later than when you started listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we have at least solved this whole ant-dolphin issue. Yes,
1: we certainly have. Okay, I've got one final question. Uh, it comes from then. Richard Pike at Richie underscore J two seven nine, and he wants to know: uh, okay. You're a billionaire, intent on buying a Premier League club to be the next City. I guess he means Manchester City. That kind of investment. Right. Which club would you pick? Not AFC. So you're not allowed to pick Arsenal. Who would you pick if you so were buy a club
0: that I can just put money into, basically? Yep.
1: Um.
0: And well I don't know. Um I'm looking up and down the league table.
1: Hmm. It depends what hate your a ambition lot of these is. Teams. Yeah, well that's the thing. Nobody said you have to make them a success, right? So why couldn't you uh why couldn't you just uh pick Tottenham? That do would be quite funny. Do what you
0: want to. Because the the scale of their failure would only be amplified by the nature of their resources. Hmm. Um so you could buy Spurs and then just fuck with them.
1: Mm, yeah, like untouchably. It would be amazing. You could do whatever you wanted. Hire whatever. Well, I think we know who you'd hire as manager.
0: Well, he'd be straight in. He'd be straight in, Tiger Tim. Welcome back, Tim. There'd be an incredible unveiling. Um, Tim, I'd sign Tim him and I'd let new, him have...
1: <laughs> new captain uh, by Ayor. <laughs>
0: yeah. Club captain. Yeah, straight yeah, in. Yeah. The dream team. Yes. Um... What about the stadium? Where would I put the stadium? Because they want a new ground, don't they?
1: Well, I mean, I think I think they they uh, I think they they have to stay where they are because you want you want it to impact them in, in the biggest way possible. But rather sure. than rather than put in sixty thousand seats or whatever they do, put in twenty thousand really big seats and insist that only one person can sit on each one.
0: Nice. So everyone's quite far apart.
1: Yeah, really far apart. You've got a full stadium every time because they'd still have twenty thousand fans coming every week uh, until such time as we really got to town on on the the playing squad. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and then you'd then you'd have to uh, then you'd have to do things like um, do sort of commercial deals with the most reprehensible people in the world or the most the worst brands, you know, that kind of way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what what could you have on the shirt? Uh, That would be great.
1: Yeah. um, uh, Canon. You'd have to do a deal with Canon, right? Canon, that'd be
0: great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have been some great bad uh, sponsors as well down the years. Um, Bimbo was a good one in Spain. (laughs) It's a a brand of bread.
1: Oh, God, have you ever eaten Uh, that bread? Yeah, it's not really bread, is it? No, it lasts for months it's fucking terrible. It's, I think they take it into space. Yeah, it, it's like one of the only sliced breads that you can buy in Spain. But you look at the, the you know, you buy a, a, a sliced bread here and it says whatever date it is today, it's the 9th of November, and it'll say best before the 14th of November. And even after two or three days, you know, the bread only then becomes good for toasting. Don't go there. But um, the bimbo stuff, it lasts forever. Forever.
0: It is strange. It is Bizarre. strange. Um, and what about the transfer window when that came around? I mean, obviously, obviously, you'd immediately sell off any players they had any affection for. Yeah, Harry Kane. Yep. to to anyone. Um, but who would you be looking to recruit? I mean, I guess you just want to assemble the most, the most expensive. Hideous.
1: Yeah, but the most expensive yeah. squad of all time. So you want to pay. Like twenty five million pounds for Joey Barton, you nope. know that kind of way.
0: That's it. That's it. Yeah. I mean Arthur Boric, for example, the Bournemouth goalkeeper, I'd be I'd be lodging a thirty million bid for him. Yeah. Early doors.
1: <laughs> exactly. He, Chris he, Samba he, in at centre half.
0: Yeah, why not? Yeah. Why not? Um To be fair, Emmanuel is a free agent, so <laughs> Oh would maybe, really maybe would... get him on board. Yeah, they'll love to see him dancing away <laughs> as the goals fly past him. Brilliant. Um so yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Buy
1: spurs, take them apart from the inside. Absolutely, absolutely wreck them. Yeah. That would be what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Be great fun. Brilliant. Well, look, um, thanks to everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh here we are again. If you uh, want to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, please do. That'll be good. Good one be lovely. Steve. Yeah. Good ones, not bad ones. Ideally, Ideally, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, ideally. Yeah. So, um, well, we'll be back. There's an interlull now, so we'll be back next Monday with a with an interlull Arsecast extra.
0: What are we going to talk about? I can't believe we did the ants thing this week. I know.
1: <laughs> we'll have to. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Oh, just one more thing. I wanted to mention. Um, this is uh something for the listeners. Mm. We, need, we need your help. Like, if we were going to compile a best of the R- RS Cast ray you know the best questions or the best bits and what have you what are the bits that we should include there because I've kind of forgotten what we've done in 92 episodes me too big time so, if anyone has a favourite bit or a, a question that was great, or an answer that was great, or a, a, a nonsense bit that was great that you'd like to hear again in some kind of compilation, just hypothetically speaking, if we were thinking of putting that together, tell us please what's the bit that we should uh, we should include. Send it to us, uh, I guess, on Twitter uh, at Gunnerblog or at Arseblog, or you can email me the at arseblog.com. So that'd be that'd be greatly appreciated as well. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that'll be brilliant. All right. Uh, Okay, so look, we'll be back next Monday with another Arsecast Extra. Until then, have yourselves a great week. Uh,
0: Bye-bye.